Thank you all for um, joining me today and us as we collectively have a discussion on what being a, a man of God is. Uh, I'd like to start off by the description in your book is not correct. I had something a little bit more enticing to draw those in. And so it read like this. When God called out to humankind after the fall, what did he call for? He says, Adam, where are you? Adam was missing from the daily walk with God in the cool of the day, and he was hiding from his creator. Adam, the representative for his family, was running from God. But where did he go? And why was Adam hiding? Where are the godly men today? Are they hiding? What are the godly men hiding from? Please join this meat and potatoes forum as we discuss what it means to be a godly man today. So to start, let's invite our Lord in our midst. Father, I thank you for bringing my brothers here today for this time that we could share. My brothers in Christ and my brothers in the flesh, Lord, Father, you have a purpose for each one of us. Your message is clear for what a man should be, for what your expectation is of us men. Father, we pray this morning that you would work, that you would move, and that you would open our eyes, open our hearts. Father, change us. Forgive us, O God, for iniquity is in us, Lord, and we are in desperate need of a Savior. So dwell in us, O God, that we may be more aligned to the man, Jesus Christ, who is our example, that we may be more like him and serve you, O God, more fervently. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Anybody know where this painting is? Sistine Chapel. Who painted it? Michelangelo. So we'll, we'll wait for others as they come in. Plenty of room in the front. I don't bite, and I had a breath mint today, so. I, I appreciate a little bit more interactive forum, especially this topic. The only, ex, the only expertise I have in this topic is that I am a man. <laughs> Right? And I've decided to take the banner of Jesus Christ on my life. So I, I appreciate uh, a little bit of feedback. Um, raise your hand, please. I, I like forums that are more like Bible studies, so uh, I, I, I would encourage that as well. Plenty of room in the front over here on my left. Okay, so up front here we have, we have the, the painting of Michelangelo's creation of Adam. There's, there's a little bit of theology here if you look. Um, what, what do you notice? There's some things that, that, are, that are in this painting that, that uh, are, are really uh, foundational truths uh, that, we, uh, that we hold true. He's naked. So 
In contrast, who has clothes? God. What does that mean? That he has knowledge of the good and evil, right? So we'll read in Genesis. Here, we'll read the, uh, the, the text for the forum. But here in this, what do you see about Adam's, what's his demeanor? What's his reaction? Do you see maybe he's a little hesitant, right? And what do you see from God's demeanor and what's his reaction? God is pursuing. Look at God. He's, he can't get any more outstretched than he is uh, uh, trying to pursue Adam. And isn't that what we see, what we see from our God? That he is willing to, to, to outstretch as far as his hand can go. And yet, brothers, sometimes, sometimes what do we do? We're, we're very, we might be very passive. Like, and look at Adam's hand. It's almost like feminine, isn't it? Right? It's like, okay, God, yeah, you could. This isn't just his buddy. This isn't Eve. This isn't a cherubim or a seraphim. This is his creator. This is, this is the one that, that, that breathed breath into his lungs and fashioned his body from the, from the earth and from, you know, uh, a material that we walk on, right? He made something from nothing. But Adam is just like, eh. So brothers, are we sometimes, eh? Right? A little bit of theology here. So that, that really struck me as I was, as I was uh, you know, growing up in... in, in uh, in school, learning about history and, and art class. Um, so I want to do a little icebreaker. I need two volunteers that are preferably of the same stature. <laughs> if you're not going to volunteer, I shall call upon you. Nathan, come up here. And Kovach. Okay, we got a battle of the, uh, battle of the co-workers here. Can each one of you here have a seat here? Kovach bros, here we go. Literally Kovach bros. All right, we all like a little competition. We're going to have an arm wrestling match. Okay. All right, so ready? Elbows on. Can't lift. All right. All right. You did arms yesterday? All right, ready? I haven't done arms for Okay, just. All right, you guys ready? One, two, three. Oh, it's a Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Nate, all, all of Mike bossing you around all those years. Take it out on him. I need more pay, Mike. All the times you came in late, Kovach, get him back. Oh, this is good. Oh, come on. Who's got the stamina? I don't know. The dad's strength is going to win. There's something about dad's strength. Oh, this is awesome. Come on! Come on! Mike, this is our family I'm talking about. you got to represent us. Oh, here we go! Here we go! Is this not the most intense arm wrestling match you've ever seen? Come on, finish it! All right, folks, that's, that's right, it. Back. It's time to go. Here we go. Hey! Oh! Wow. <laughs> that was awesome.
Thanks, boys. So if you'd like to turn with me, turn with me to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verses 8 to 10 state, says, And they heard the voice of the Lord, Adam and Eve, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why did God call Adam? And why didn't he call Eve? Adam was lost. And he didn't know where he was. He surely wasn't in the uh, evening appointment with his God. Why else? Okay. Adam has a responsibility. Just like each one of you, this is biblical truth. Each one of you as men, as males, have a responsibility. This is not my idea. This is not our elder's idea. This is not the minister's idea. This is not Samuel Froelich's idea. This is God's idea. That men have a specific responsibility. And that responsibility is, Brother Dushko, for his family. Excellent. Man's responsibility is for his family. This is God's order. When that order is compromised, things maybe don't run so smoothly. As we see here, do you think Adam talked to Eve about this tree? What do you think? Think they had a conversation about it? Yes. They did. They did have a conversation about it. What maybe? What could have Adam done a little bit better? When she said, hey, this tastes really good. Why don't you have a bite? Adam didn't say, honey, you know, don't you remember last week when God told us, or 100 years ago when God told us not to eat of it? This isn't for us. He didn't set the standard. He allowed, he allowed Satan to come into his family. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to attempt to reach fathers, single, single uh, men, Converted single men, unconverted single men. There are applications in here for everyone to draw. Nobody would be, will be, well, you didn't talk to me. Because you're all dudes. You're all guys. And we're all here together. Right? So Adam's responsibility was he allowed, that, that, uh, he allowed Satan to enter into his family. Fathers, think about that as, as, we, as we move along. Is there anything that we're allowing Satan to enter into our family? Now, here's another point. Young men, is there anything that you're allowing that the door is a little creaked open, that you're not willing yet to shut the door on to completely expel from your family? Let's just say you just you yourself. But... Young brothers, young men, you are also not isolated within and of yourselves. You have a church. Young single brothers, you have a responsibility to your church. You are responsible to lead in your church. This isn't exclusive to someone who has a spouse or even has kids. This covers 
this gender completely? Why is being, why does being a man of God matter? Whether we like it or not, whether the ladies like it or not, the only conclusion I could come to, it all starts with men. You might not like it. You might not be happy about it. You might not say, I didn't ask for this. I wasn't born for this responsibility. But whether you like it or not, it all starts with men, brothers. Everything does. If we look, provision starts with men. First Timothy says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially of those of his, of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Does anybody not have a job? If you don't have a job, get a job. Timothy says, get a job. Family spirituality starts with men. The home should not be led by the children or the wife. I'm record- this is getting recorded. I'm going to get a lot of heat. The home should be led by men. Now, I didn't say it. It says right here, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, being himself the savior of the body. Now, why is this? Why is the husband the head of the, of the wife? This, is, this should be like a forum in and of itself. What's the picture that, we're, 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 that the Bible portrays? Likens it unto Christ and the church. Right here we read, right here in Ephesians, it says he's the Savior. Who else is our Savior? Who's our Savior? Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me piece these things together. I'm a man. I'm to lead. But I'm also to be a picture of who Jesus Christ is. Well, what does that mean? Who was Jesus Christ? He was our Savior. Now, what did he do? So we, hear, we see here that the husband is head of the wife. Now you hear this in almost every wedding sermon, right? That he is not lording over our lives, right? Jesus Christ is our Lord, but he beckons us to follow him. He's asking, he's petitioning, he's not demanding, he's not, uh, so he gives us many wake-up calls, right? And he spurns us and he, and he, really, um, uh, he really begs of us. But brothers... Husbands, I would say, our role is to lead and to have our spouse follow. Revival starts with men. I am guilty of something. There has been times in the near future that I have been a discontent brother in West Akron. I have complained. I have at times been disgruntled. And that was a hindrance to revival. God needed Erwin Webel to ask me which forum I wanted to do. And for some reason I picked this one. And this forum showed me that I was not growing where I was planting. I was not leading by example. I was sowing seeds of discord between brothers and, 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 and talking here and there, here and there. And not being part of the solution and not part of the problem. And it took 1 Samuel chapter 7 to really wake me up. 
And if we read what that is, I'll read it, because it's, it's, it's amazing. And Samuel spake unto the whole house of Israel, saying, If you do return the Lord with all your hearts, and put away the strange God of Ashtaroth among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only. Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And he gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. Samuel judged the children of Israel and Mizpah. When the veil is torn, men, and you're vulnerable, we don't want to talk about that word, but the only way for revival to take place in our church, the only way my unbelieving brother with a small b is going to take, the only way revival is going to take place in your life is if you tear away that facade. You tear away that veil. And then you're exposed for what you are. And you could see that we all need repentance. Matthew 5, 23, 26. So reconciliation. Repairing of relationships. This is quite the priority that we see here. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that brother hath aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and be first reconciled with thy brother, and then come after and offer thy gift. Agree with thy adversary quickly while thou art on the way with him, lest any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. We've been talking about our, our life, right? And what this life is and what we do here. What we do here matters. And that's why being a man of God matters is because the world needs godly men. And the world needs men that provide. The world needs men that lead their families. The world needs, needs men to revive dead things. And the world needs men to reconcile with other men, right? We have situations that happen. Any of us, I challenge any of you that have an issue with a brother, an issue with a friend, now is the time to reconcile. Any questions or thoughts, comments? Welcome them. Psalm 90, verse 10. Uh, If you'd permit me, I'd like to read this in the ESV. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. What does that look like to you? Dead man's bones. What else? Men, if you're looking at that, that's a mirror. It's what we all look like. That's our inevitable fate. Boy, that's pretty morbid, right? That's a morbid statement. Andrew, you're talking about death. and 
the importance of thinking about our expiration date, right? Impresses on our heart so much so that it should spurn us, the Spirit should work inside us to fix, to lead, to revive, to provide. It's in light. It's in light of death that all this matters. Why? Because while we're living matters what happens when we're dead. Right? Amen? That's, that's, what, that's, that's why we're here at camp, aren't we? Because what we do today actually matters. We're going to go into a few slides. A man of God is. And we cannot start by determining, defining what a man of God is. And I realize it's a little, I got some messed up uh, English there. My sister was the English, liter, English major, not me. Uh, what we, what we, what you, you, cannot, you cannot begin the conversation about actually being a man of God unless you have faith in Jesus Christ. So this is, this is the starting point here. It all starts with faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all upon them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have, come, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do we believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is accessible today? Romans 8.11 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead is also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So that spirit that's, is within, that we have access to inside us can quicken our physical bodies to do what? Talked a little bit about it already. Our, that spirit quickens our physical bodies to do what? To lead, to reconcile, to provide. Exactly. It's that power... Brothers, with the big B, that we can tap into. It's that power that we have access to. Now, was that a, a great or small thing that Jesus Christ raised from the dead? It was great. Even Jesus Christ, when the Pharisees asked him, and he said, well, is it, a, is it a greater thing for someone to say, thy sins are forgiven to thee, or rise up and walk? That same power, brothers, you can tap into. You have access to. Does anybody know what the term meeking a horse means? Ever heard that term? Meeking, meeking a horse? No, nobody's heard it? The term meeking a horse means to harness the power of the horse. My brother Mike tells about his dad, Brother Avell, who in Argentina, growing up, when they would need a horse, they grew up on the farm, they would go wrangle a wild horse and get one. And they would jump on its back, bareback, and ride the horse, and it would be their horse. They would capture a horse. I, I'm a simple guy. I didn't go to much college. I work with furniture. That is insane. I mean, if you think about the picture of a man, I mean, that, that's, a, a, that's a man, right? Someone who could wrangle a horse. 
So, but what happens is that horse is wild. You've heard the term boys will be boys, right? Sometimes we're a little wild, aren't we? Right? And so what, what, what needs to take place? We need to be meeked. That term, think about that term. We think about the term meek in scripture. It's Jesus being calm and gentle. It's actually not. Meeking is harnessing the potential power towards a purpose. It's gathering its strength under control. Isn't that a picture of Jesus Christ? Did he ever lose control? Stereotypical characteristics of men is what? We get angry. And we maybe sometimes lose control. Brothers, that's, that's, that happens. We cannot deny that that happens. What should we do when that happens? If we're going to call ourselves the picture of Jesus Christ to our families, right? What should we do when we lose control? Make it right. Excellent. We have to ask for forgiveness. What's that called? Repentance. Brothers, we as a church, we as a brotherhood, need to be finally, acutely acquainted with this R word. This word repentance should be, we should be very familiar with this. This term and this word. In striving for it and in practicing it. Because although our goal is to be the picture of Jesus Christ, especially in our families, and I'll tell you, this goes a long way with your kids. When they see dad, one time I'd spank Noah when I shouldn't have. Well, this is Noah, and I shouldn't have. And uh, I felt really bad. And uh, I don't know if he'll ever, I'll ever know about it, but, or if he'll ever remember but when I, I said, hey, you know, you, 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 I know Liam, Liam did this, and, you know, you got, you got spanked for it. He's like, yeah, I know, I didn't even, it wasn't, even, it wasn't my fault, I wasn't even, listen, man, I know, <laughs> I know, and I'm sorry, you shouldn't have got, you got what you didn't deserve. And in the same sense, Jesus Christ gives you what also you don't deserve. So you get, you get the blessing of, of, of taking something that's an opportunity that could break down. So fathers, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when we're working with our young ones, our kids, and I don't know what the, the span, I'm guessing the span of children is pretty wide here. Opportunities every moment, every moment is an opportunity to, to expound on the grace and truly the gospel. And no one did that better than Jesus Christ. No one harnessed his power so much so that he gathered together and focused it on one specific uh, situation or person better than Jesus Christ. So meek, meekness. When you think about meekness, meekness is not weakness. James 1 says, Wherefore they lay apart all filthiness, and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive, the meek, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. We put all that stuff away. 
We put away the filthiness. We put away the superfluity. And we put away the the naughtiness, which is, you know, that's a cleaned up word for any debauchery that, that we can even think of. To receive the meekness. To receive the harnessed power. Because us men, we have power. Don't we? Strong men, that's synonymous. Be tough. Let me see your muscles. How tall are you? Oh, how, what's your radius of your biceps? How many sit-ups can you do? Oh, I could, do, I could bench press 385. How many reps can you do? All that. We are, we are uh, uh, synonymous with strength. And just like Apostle Paul, you know, God didn't change Apostle Paul. He changed his direction. God is asking us the same thing. For each one of us. He's, not, he's asking us to change our direction. That our strength, what we have as men, should not be to serve ourselves, but it should be to serve God. To use that strength, to harness it. Matthew 10.16 Behold, I sent you forth as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Harmless is not innocent. This word harmless, harmless as doves, doesn't mean that the dove can't peck your eyes out. It means that a dove is pure. It means that a dove is innocent. God, men, is asking us to be innocent. He's asking us to be innocent with your phones. He's asking you not to look at pornography. He's asking you to be innocent. Because He can see it all. And in a society where we're very outwardly portraying a, a, a facade, you're not fooling God. You're gonna fool. You're gonna fool the the one who created you. Philippians two fifteen that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among ye shine as lights in a world. Harmless, again, is innocent. Why? So we can shine as lights in the world. Remember the last slide? The world needs godly men. I always like this quote at the bottom. It's a Chinese quote. Better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. What do you think of that? that? What does that speak about? You got it. Preparedness. What else? Capable. Excellent. A warrior is very capable of his sword, right? He wouldn't have advanced to become a warrior. They would have weeded him out. He would have never made the Navy SEALs. They would have cut him out of boot camp. It kind of reminds me of Proverbs 6. Whoever is slow to anger, that you were talking about, mm-hmm. is better than the mighty, and he rules the spirit. That is awesome. Can you say that again, Brother Mike? I really appreciate that. Strength under control. What's a yoke? You got it. A yoke is something that keeps two animals, uh, typically oxen, on the same path so they pull in the same way, same direction. Jesus uses this uh, analogy. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 to 30. 
Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lonely of heart, and ye shall find rest from your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is asking us to harness our strength, to call upon him through the power of the Spirit, that we are strong under control, and to be yoked with him. Have you ever thought about that yoking concept? If you're thinking about it in the way of an animal... That's the way it is. That's the way I would, I would interpret that. But it's that Jesus is calling us to co-labor. Just like God, God told Adam, hey, I created all this stuff. You name it. And whatever you name it, I'll abide by it. That's a bear, I'll call it a bear. That's a lionfish, you got it. That's a lionfish. I made this big, long thing with a really long neck. What are you going to call it, Adam? I'll call it a giraffe. Thank you, Adam. You named my creation a giraffe. This wasn't God lording. Men, this isn't us lording. This is a co-laboring together with Jesus Christ for what? For a... Search the P. Purpose. For a purpose. Jesus Christ is calling us to be strong under control, yoked, taking his yoke, and being led for a purpose. We are, the analogy of this yoke is, is awesome because what do we do? What do you do when you, when you pull oxen? What's usually the profession that is the one? Farmer. So what is farmer, what's a farmer doing? What? Raising crops. He's tilling the ground, right, Brother Doug? He's tilling the ground. Oh, man, that sounds familiar. Did somebody else talk about some ground that's receiving seed? All these things are connected. Jesus Christ is telling us parables that this parable connects to this one, connects to this one. These are all connected on a linear plane. It's a pattern. And so what he's trying to say is, hey, I'm going to use yoke in this, in this parable because you remembered when I last time I used about the parable of the sower, and you could put those two together. This is the whole entire picture of what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples about being strong under control. And when you're strong under control, you have to submit. If you're strong under, if you're strong out of control, or if you're if you're out if you're not in control. You go every which way. Comments or questions on that? I'd be remiss if we had a men's forum without talking about purity. Uh, Brother Dan, maybe I could put you on the spot. Um, What would you say the percentage of... uh, Sexual impurity that elders deal with in our church nowadays. Would you say it's high? It's, it makes us stop and think. It's uncomfortable. But why is it so difficult to talk about? Meister? Because you'd have to take down your facade. It's the truth. You'd have to take down your... And you'd be exposed. Brother Nick, did you? I said shame. Shame. 
What's one of another sin that men struggle with? Pride. Right? That's heavy. You'd have to admit to somebody that you're actually actively sitting. Brother Doug? And it's a direct attack towards the character of a man. Good. Blue Laza. It doesn't seem like dirty and gross. Like if things are like, uh, like someone who's struggling with substance abuse. You know, losing my temper, you know, we all lose our temper on a relatively, and it's not that big that I'm struggling with something, pornography or something. You don't want anyone to handle You wouldn't like walk out of, typically, we wouldn't walk out of our room, you know, completely on top of Kevin Gary and like chatting at you. Yeah. Brother Irwin. I'm reading a book that I would call Respectable Sin. That would be an unrespectable sin. Respectable sin would be the ones that like, you were talking about as well, about being angry, avid angry. That's just how I am. Um, I will put a number to it just because I had a poor one time. I'd say it's about 90% of brothers at one point have been involved in pornography or currently are. I said that at a forum. I didn't have one brother come up to me and say, Zero came up to me. Zero. So I would say it's very, very, I, I'm, I'm not discounting what you're saying, Brother Dan. I'm just saying I think it's astronomically high, as it either is currently or has been. And by using the shame and the embarrassment and all the other things that the devil uses to keep you from talking about it, to keep you from overcoming it, too. Because it is absolutely going to overcome if you actually take up the issue and work on it and have a strong church family to help you. Because you could lie. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows. Nobody could be the wiser. But just because it's common doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that victory is not available. Uh, Satan can use the other side of that too and say, well, it's so common. If everyone's doing it, you're really not all that different than the average. No, it's not meant to be common. And there is victory available through Christ. It can be overcome. It's not a hopeless problem. Excellent, Brother Phil. I think about, you, you know, the, I mean, I've heard it. Ah, that brother, he's just a hothead. He just gets angry. Is that okay? Well, we've normalized anger, right, to, to kind of accept it. But what we're finding out is that, okay, should, porno- should, should the struggle of sexual impurity be just as common? Should we talk about that as being just as common as anger? Has that now bubbled up to the top in, in 2023 where the accessibility is so easy? You can I was on, uh, I looked up that song that you guys are playing, Near My God to Thee, right? And an ad of a lady in a bikini came up, and I'm, I'm looking up, Near My God to Thee, and here comes a, a shampoo commercial. Should we, sh- should, we should be talking about the sexual impurities just like anger. Am I wrong? Brother Dan. Shame. How are we to approach it in an approachable way? 
So I have a few more slides, but I am okay if we totally eliminate them and stick with this for the rest of the remainder 15 minutes. I'll leave it up to the floor. But if we can continue this conversation, this would be incredibly beneficial. Hand up here, Brother Mike. Excellent. So a lot of resources that are, that are available, and we could make those available to, to, to brothers too. Brother Frank? I think that's a good practical application for Dan. Let's ask our, ask our boys. Ask your boys, what kind of life do you want? Do you want a life where you're slave to this addiction? Do you want a life that perverts the very essence of what God created? Brother Tim. It's the hit of dopamine that our brain is dying for and craving.
Excellent. Uh, Brother Laza and then Meister. Excellent. Meister? Repetition. They want to be anywhere else. They're, give them a Snickers. They are out of there. I think. Did you have your hand up? Excellent. One more. I think uh, one of the biggest things you can do when you're talking to somebody about this is to try to replace facts about it and sorrow with the excitement of it. Mm -hmm. Because most people don't even understand what they're looking at. You kind of explain that it's a business and it's money. And yep. it's those women are being sex There's a lot more sins that are involved in that. So why does God care about my purity? This is the lust progression, also the sin progression. But every man, when he is tempted, when he was drawn away from his own lust and enticed, and when the lust has conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So does God care? This is an interesting verse I found in Exodus. God cares about underwear. Exodus 28, and thou shalt make them, he's talking to Aaron, and thou shalt make them linen breeches or linen undergarments. 
to cover the nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs, and they shall reach, and they shall be upon Aaron, upon his sons. And when they come into the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come into the altar of the minister of the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. So the question, does God care what I look at? Does God care if I'm pure? You better believe he does. If he cares about your gotchis, he cares about what the inward parts of you as a man are. This isn't in here for no reason. The priests, their outward appearance is the way it should be, the way the, way the Mosaic law outlines it with the robes and the phylacteries and the hats and, the, and all the uh, trimming of the hems. All that is for a purpose. And then he says, that's what everybody can see. But what they cannot see, make sure that's pure too. The way I tell you that it should be. And it should be that way forever. So, men, God is telling us that even our inward parts... Okay, so we can start our inward parts, our heart, our soul, our intentions, our motives, our, our strengths, everything that's inside of us, and gleaming from there to our attire, to our clothes. God cares about it all. I saw a hand up to the dog, the dog and then the mic. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just a quick caveat to that. Never in history, Solomon, we know Solomon, all wise, king, rich, concubines, is long, the line of concubines was as far as the eye can see. We can see more naked women in five minutes than Solomon could in his whole entire lifetime. That is what we're up against. That is Satan's tool right now combating godly men. Satan is on this side. Jesus is on this side. And those are his tools that he is using. Right now, 2023. Wasn't probably as bad 20 years ago, but it's bad now, as Brother Dan said and Brother Irwin said. This is the reality. And now we need to equip. We've talked a lot about being open, being vulnerable, discussing it. Brothers, let us take this opportunity to be vulnerable, to be open, to now discuss it with you younger brothers. Big bees, small bees. Hopefully all you be big bees. Uh, Brother Danny. I just want to say that uh, Christ wants people. Yeah. Right? So even in marriage, you might say, oh, I'm going to stay pure, but if sex takes that wrong place. That's excellent, brother. 
Excellent. By the way. Brother Dan, go ahead. Yeah, and the, the subject of sexual purity, a lot of people talk about pornography. That's not the only aspect of purity. So a lot of yep. reasons we touched on, right? There's also things that we imagine where our yep. imagination goes um, and giving ourselves places to imagine. It doesn't always have to involve pornography. Right? Sure. But yeah, I think we... Purity is bigger than just... Definitely. Excellent. Thank you for that. No incognito mode yeah. at all. Don't, don't do it. I mean, it seems kind of foolish or simple. If it means not using your cell phone or getting, I, I respect brothers who get a dumb cell phone because they know they have a problem with that. That, that guy has the guts to take the public stand and say, look, I'm not going to use the smartphone, at least not for a while, because I have this problem. That's, that's courageous. That's really courageous. My hat goes off to any brother who'd be willing to do that because they have that issue. Yeah, excellent. Good it. Excellent. So here's the answer. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I not might sin against thee. Men, when you're tempted, when you're tempted with, with an illicit thought, challenge you. Crack open Psalm 119. That thought will probably flee pretty quickly. Dwell on the promises of God. When, when you receive a text or when you see, when, when, when uh, uh, an ad passes by and, you know, it, it, those, those feelings well up inside you, stop what you're doing and read John 3.16. The Bible gives us the solution. Now, it's easy. The path is easy. It's difficult to do. But it's simple. 
The way we combat addiction and the way we combat sexual impurity is, yes, by all of these things that we talked, absolutely dynamite discussion. But it all goes back to the Word. We have to be in the Word and hiding the Word, memorizing Scripture. As a Christian, God is love. But the unbeliever says, love is God. And we're five minutes over. Uh, let me just browse, motor through these things really quick. So, a man of God is a pursuer, pursuing reconciliation, and a provider. God does not anoint the lazy. These pillars of our faith, we're doing something. Book ending it. Be a godly man, worth and worthy of submitting to you. Uh, really, go ahead. One last one. Just yeah. also, while sexual, while uh, pornography is very obvious, the other thing that we all may struggle with, some of us may struggle with, is inappropriate relationships with females outside of our wives or if you're not married on uh, anyone where it can be sly, secretive, and this, this, this. I think I will keep away from that. Definitely. Very good. Thank you, men. Uh, I have the rest of the remaining slide. If anybody wants it, we can discuss it. But our time is up. Thank you for the great uh, uh, discussion. And God bless you all.